Yo, what's good? It's your boy CJ King. Look, and I'm rocking with the homie Rick Sincere. I'm going to need y'all to keep it locked right here on MTMV Sports. Hello everybody, I'm Ed Robinson and welcome to another exciting edition of The Robinson Show. On this week's program, Athlete Bertie Jackson. That's all coming up after the break. Stay tuned, you're listening to The Robinson Show. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. This is what high blood pressure looks like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. I can't button up a shirt. I can't run. I've had to learn to swallow again. That's the only more minutes that I have. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. Had I done this, had I done that, hell, I messed up. Get back on your plan. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Is she gonna get it, Daddy? She'll get it. Get it. Get it. When you bring home a Goodwill find, you give your whole town a reason to celebrate because you're also funding local job training and placement programs in tech, healthcare, and more. Goodwill. Bring good home. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Robinson Show. My guest this week is a young lady who did amazing things in the world of track and field and college track and field to be exact. We'll talk to her about her career and also her upbringing and some other things that she's working on. We want to welcome to The Robinson Show, Bertie Jackson. Bertie, welcome aboard. Hi, thank you for having me. All right, no problem. You've got that. So every story has a journey. So let's start where it all began. Tell our audience a little bit about your upbringing in Lynchburg, Virginia. So I was raised in Lynchburg, Virginia. I stayed there all the way through until graduating college, stayed there for a few years after and then finally moved out. But so my I live in a very close network with my family. Everyone in my family is very big with athletics. My dad was really into he was all American in track and played football. My mom used to play softball. And so my family's like really big into sports. We always would play. We also got really into tennis. And so growing up, a lot of what I did was play tennis. On Sundays, we would have a family workout. So me and my dad, my brother, and my mom would be out either playing tennis or running hills. 
So we were very into exercising and doing things, active things. And then I got into running track in middle school because it's a funny story. I actually tried out for every single sport, <laughs> aside from tennis. I didn't, I missed tennis trials, but I tried out for every single sport and had no coordination or anything and no one would take me onto the team. So the last thing I had was track. And so I figured to try out for that since they don't cut people. And then, yeah, I had a, my first coach. He, I started off with the hurdles and my coach, I remember she would tell me, Jackson, you can't do the hurdles. You're too small. And I, a few years later, started competing in college athletics and proved her wrong. So that was a good feeling. Athletics has played a major role in growing up in Lynchburg. Okay, we'll get more into your track and field career in just one moment. I want to stay with your upbringing in Lynchburg. Were there any, before you got into the school system and doing athletics, were you involved in any type of competitions, whether it be with a recreation league or some type of organizations in the area? My dad actually used to, I never competed before track, but I did used to go to tennis camps a lot. We didn't have any real competitions. My dad was actually, he ran a, quite a few tennis camps, and that's what I attended when I was growing up. And then also I was involved in dance throughout elementary school, but there weren't any real competitions, mostly just performances. Okay, excellent. So now let's get into your track and field career. Again, you mentioned earlier that you did some great things at your high school in the area, and then it led to you being at Liberty University, matter of fact, the Liberty Flames to be exact. Now, you competed in the heptathlon at Liberty. For our audience out there that may not be familiar with the nuances or uh, the events of track and field, explain to them what the heptathlon is all about. So the heptathlon is an event that indoor you have the pentathlon, outdoor you have the heptathlon. For the pentathlon, it's a one-day, it takes one day, you have 30 minutes in between each event to get ready for the next event. So those events consist of the 55 hurdles, high jump, long jump, shot put, and the 800-meter run. And so you have 30 minutes in between each, and it's based off a scoring system. So the faster and the further you jump, the more points you get. And so you can lose or you, you may not win one event, but you can still win overall depending on how many points you score at the end. And then for our outdoor, you have the heptathlon, which is seven events. That takes place over two days, and you also have 30 minutes in between. It's seven events. It's long jump, high jump, shot put, javelin, 200-meter, 800-meter, and the 100-meter hurdles. It's not in that order, but I can't really remember the order at the moment. But, yeah, so you have 30 minutes in between each event, and the scores add up at the end. Wow, that's awesome. You know, I'm a big track and field fan, so I follow – the sport a lot both on the men's and women's side of things. And I know the heptathlon is certainly an event where it requires not just speed, but a lot of strength and endurance as well. Tell our audience out there, kind of like, what, what did your training consist of when you prepared for this event? It started, we would have, because of NCAA rules, we had 40, I think you could only do up to maybe like 35 to 40 hours a week for training or some, somewhere around there. So we had a lot of volunteer training. So we would have, we would either do morning lifting and throwing work in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we would work on our sprints and jumping events. And so most of the time, our workouts started 
we would have either morning throws and then in the evening we would go and do our harder workouts. Every other day we would have a hard workout on our lighter days. We would work on technique and more field event work. But it, it was definitely time-consuming because each event, there's so many, it's a lot of different techniques you have to learn. And with that, it's easy to, it's easy to forget your steps from one event to the next. Or, you know, you get mixed up with how your posture is supposed to be, what form you're supposed to use. And so it takes a lot of concentration to be able to keep those separated. Okay, that's awesome. So tell me, what was your favorite event in the heptathlon? Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) I really enjoyed the hurdles. That's what I did, you know, for about 12 years. So hurdles was my favorite event. And it was, it racked up the most points. Because for the HEP, sprinting events, and then jumping events and throws, it's like the order of how points rack up. So it's easier to get a lot of points in the sprints compared to in the throws. So I really enjoyed doing the hurdles. And then towards my senior year, I actually enjoyed running the 800 more because it took me so long to figure out how to actually run that race. And so it wasn't until I got older and, you know, took more time training that I was able to really enjoy the sprint of the 800. Speaking of some of your achievements that you had at your time at Liberty University, in 2015, you were the Big South Individual Outdoor Heptathlon Champion, and you finished second indoor in the same year. And also in 2014, you finished second in the indoor and outdoor. And then in your senior year in 2016, you finished first in the indoor pentathlon where you were the Big South champion. You went undefeated that whole year. Tell our audience about the process of how did that happen? And was there any stress or any nerves coming down the wire as you were preparing for this feat to happen? Um, Well, actually, that was so for my senior year, we had a freshman coming in, um, and her name was Kylie, and she was an amazing athlete. So the whole time, all I could think was I could not lose to this girl. <laughs> and so every competition, she helped push me because I'm a senior. She's a freshman, so I have to make sure I'm going out with a bang. So I had to definitely push myself at each meet and even going into conference, the nerves are there because you know, all right, we're coming towards the end. This is the big meet. I don't want to come in last place or I don't even want to come in second place. Just you want that medal. And then went on to ECACs, and that was the year prior. So my junior year, I had gotten third. And so I wasn't even expecting to get first place. I didn't have any idea that I was going to get there until – it came down to the 800 meter run or race. And my coach came over there to me and was like, Bertie, you know, you're only a few points ahead of this other girl. You have to beat her in this race. And at that time I was like, Oh, okay. This is 800. I'm normally, you know, a little weaker in this event. I'm going to have to, you know, really push myself. So I went out there and that's, that was, I think I PR'd by for the season. I had a, like a 22nd PR for the season in that race and it and which helped you know bring me into my outdoor season 
Let's go more into detail about the ECAC competition. That's the Eastern Collegiate Athletic Conference competition. And as you mentioned earlier, you finished in first place. So tell our audience more in detail about the competition and the other schools that are involved in this. So that that competition is that's the meet right before regionals and nationals. So for the HEP, you to only have that for um for the east coast we only have that race and or that event before nationals since there's no heptathlon in the nationals so we so with that competition it was you know it was very stressful because you had people from quite a few different schools from uh remember like the girl that was in competition was from elon some people from radford vmi Penn. Penn State was there. There's a there's a quite a few schools. It was a really great meet. It was a I had a lot of PRs for that meet. It was the first. I think I threw like a 39 in the shot put, which was a PR. I think I PR'd in almost every single event in that meet, and it was just it was a great time for me to really realize like wow, I'm really starting to push myself, and I'm seeing the results of all the training that's come together from the past three years. And so it was definitely a very great win for me. You had a lot of accomplishments during your time at Liberty. What were some of the lessons that you learned during your time in college? One of my biggest lessons learned, not just as like running, it's kind of the whole, how it plays into working. Like it's like a business. The school pays for you to travel, to compete, to do all this stuff, to rep- basically just represent the school. And so when I first, when I first got to Liberty, I wasn't on a full scholarship. I was on a partial scholarship. And I learned the, the better I get, the more places I'm able to go, the more scholarship I'm able to make. And so by my senior year, I was able to get onto a full ride and travel to Texas Relays and Mount Sac Relays. And just being able to travel and see different places, compete against a lot of major athletes. I remember at one of our track meets in the Mount Sac Relays, I got to meet Ashton and Brianne Eaton, who compete in the Olympics in decathlon, which was amazing to be able to compete with those athletes and other professional athletes. And so it just gives you, it just opens up so many opportunities and broadens your horizon to see what's out there and, you know, what other competition, higher competition is like. So it was definitely, it was definitely an amazing experience just learning about track, learning where, learning about like how scholarship, how business works in general. The traveling was just amazing. And so that's one of my biggest takeaways was being able to get to go and compete at so many large meets and meet so many different people. Now let's talk about a commercial that aired during the Tracktown USA competition on ESPN. It was about a couple of years ago that it aired, and it was for a company called Baynon Sports. And the title of commercial is called Earn Your Speed. Anyone can say they're fast. But when race day comes, when the curtain opens, when it's all on the line... Only some of us prove it. Binance Sports, the leading surface of track and field. And for those of you that have not seen the commercial yet, you can go to the link right on the description and you'll see it. 
for those that may have not seen the commercial, Birdie, explain in detail what's it all about. So the commercial is about just training, like how you got from you make yourself become something and all the process of getting to where you want to be. So throughout the shoot, we were shooting, training, warming up, stretches, working out, which all led to that final race, that last race. And it's kind of like how most athletics are because you're training so long to get to that final competition and to perform at your, at your best. I want to know how long did it take to film that commercial? It took about two days, It was mainly almost two full days of filming. There were a lot of retakes, which I never, this was my first commercial I ever did. So I didn't realize how, how long, how much filming goes into, you know, a short 30 seconds. And so there's one time where I was having to run up a hill and they kept saying, okay, we're going to do another shot. All right, we're going to do another shot on this hill. And I was like, wow, this is, this is an actual workout right here <laughs> because you're trying to keep a certain composure with your face. You try to hold your form and then you don't know what scene is actually going to make it. And so it's, it's, it was definitely interesting to see how many, how many shots it took to get that one that they were looking for. Was the commercial shot at the university or was it just shot at a, a regular a rec center? So that was shot at Liberty University. There were some shots that were shot around Lynchburg, but the one of the tracks, most of it was shot at Liberty University because Bayon was the one that built our indoor track, which is an amazing facility now. I think it's one of the top on the East Coast in its hydraulic track. So it's a really beautiful facility. And so because Bynon was the company that we went through to create that track, that's where we decided to film at. How long did the workout portions of the commercial take? Did you have to do retakes of the workout segments? The lifting took maybe, we did, we took a shot at one, there was a weight room facility we had went to, and then we took another one at a different weight room facility. So that was, I would say that took maybe around three to four hours. It, it took a little bit of time because they, they wanted to, they were looking for the angles, the lighting, which listing we were going to do. And a lot of it didn't make the final production. But, yeah, there was, there was quite a bit of the lifting, more, more so the running than the lifting. Okay, now let's move on to the importance of health and fitness in minority communities. We know that a lot of uh, minority communities and just all communities in general are stricken with a lot of health problems. We also have diseases that are on the rise, like diabetes, high blood pressure, and things of that nature. How important is health and fitness in these communities, and what are you doing to make them aware of this? I think, obviously, that health and fitness is extremely important. I know with my generation, you have a lot on social media with people being more acceptant of different body types, which in a way that is good to have that positivity, but you want to also encourage to be healthy. So you have this whole movement of people saying it's okay to look like this and it's okay to not eat healthy and eat all this junk food. And so you also want to be aware, well, that's not healthy for yourself. And you want to make sure that, you know, you're living a lifestyle that's going to help you live longer. And to be able to get exercise and go out and eat healthy 
can play like a huge role on that, which I feel people tend to neglect, especially with how easy it is to purchase unhealthy foods. You can get pop, you can get a big meal from McDonald's for only a few dollars or go to cookout and get a meal for only a few dollars. And it will cost you more to go and get fresh fruits and vegetables from a market. So we also have that struggle with the cost of everything to to eat healthier. And so that I think that also plays like a huge role with why we have such a high rate of diabetes and other health issues. While we're still on the topic of the importance of health and fitness, I want to go into food deserts. You mentioned about the fast food chains and also you mentioned about how hard it is to get fruits and vegetables and higher quality food. Food deserts are a big problem across America in both urban and rural areas. Have you or are you doing anything to make people aware of this or are you a part of some type of uh, organization to get people to eat more healthy? At the moment, I'm not. I have I have been looking at getting more involved in the community. I recently moved to the Virginia Beach area and so I haven't made any new connections. I remember in school we used to always have, um, try to help do like food drives and stuff with healthier, providing people with healthier options to eat. And, and we learned a lot about nutrition with, um, with our trainers would give us classes on there. But as far as going out and helping the general public, I haven't been able to really get a chance to get started yet. I'm still settling in in the new area. <laughs> so now let our audience know about any current projects that you're working on. Recently, I've been kind of not going out, but for people that I know that, are have, that have young people in their lives or if they have children that are looking to get into college athletics, I really, I'm really like into trying to help them learn how scholarship works, how it works when you meet coaches going on official visits because that's very big and I feel like a lot of young people that are a lot of young athletes don't understand you know how important it is one to definitely have great grades but you can use that ability your athletic ability to pay for school and that can make such a huge difference in your life whether you're coming out of school with hundreds and thousands of dollars of loans when you can easily just compete get your schoolwork done and be able to pay for school and come out ahead. So that's a big thing that I'm into helping like high schoolers understand the importance of athletics and how that can play a role in their college education. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's always important when you can help aspiring collegiate athletes out for a lot of them that don't know it. So it's real awesome that you're doing something like that. Any future projects that you're working on? Not at the moment. Especially since I, this was my first full year without running and competing. I tried to spend a year after track with um, coaching, and I, I was trying to com- continue to compete because I wanted to go pro. And so this is my first full year out of doing all of that. And so now I'm trying to figure out where do I fit in into society and what do I enjoy and what do I want to do. So I'm still, you know, still in that process of trying to figure that all out. All right, so where can people find you on social media? And if you have a website, let them know that as well. You can find me on my Instagram is Birdie Creative, and my website is birdiecreative.com. So that's, um, I am a graphic designer, so that's my main 
website where I post some of my modeling photos and I'm going to start a blog on there and but that's the main source of where you can find me on social media. Before we let you go, tell our audience a little bit about your graphic design work because I was looking at your bio and it says that you were a graphic design major at Liberty. Tell our audience a little bit more about that. So I got into graphic design while I was at Liberty. They basically told me I needed to pick a degree and I was always into art. So I went ahead with graphic design. So I started doing some freelance. Currently, I'm working at a graphic design position And so I'm looking to just really expand my work and get more experience because my goal is to one day to be able to produce something that's seen nationwide or even just like I would love to work for Nike in their marketing department or even model for Nike. But yeah, oh, sorry, a side story. I just remembered as a little girl, my biggest goal was to become a Nike model. And that was another thing that drove me into track because I had wanted to, I knew that in order to become a Nike model, they always recruited the best athletes. So I figured that, you know, if I worked my way up, I could one day become a Nike model. So that was one of, um, that was just a little side story that I remembered about trying to reach my goals. Well, you'll definitely get there. All it takes is just a little timing and working hard and you'll be able to do it. So you heard it from her. She's Bertie Jackson, someone that had a great career in track and field and having even a better career and on to bigger and better things. Birdie, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us on The Robinson Show. And if you ever want to come back on, feel free to let us know. All right. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, Sarah. Oh, my God. She's so cute. How do you know, Cam? Oh, I'm gonna do it like I taught you. Love the new tattoo, Sarah. Go, baby, go. Let's go! Dude, look. Dude, that's Sarah. Sarah. The girl in the pink shirt, that's the girl I was telling you about. Oh, that's Sarah? Theater 2 on your left. Hey, Sarah. What color underwear today? Hey, Sarah, so when are you going to post something new? Anything you post online, anyone can see. Family, friends. See you later, Sarah. Even not-so-friendly people. Think before you post. They said it could be some kind of food allergy. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. It happened like that, a full-blown asthma attack. It was scary. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... A fever. Headaches. I had these red, itchy welts. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. I had West Nile virus from a mosquito. A reaction triggered by cockroach allergens. Bed bugs. Threats to your health can come from the most unexpected places. Mosquitoes can transmit West Nile virus and also Zika virus. Ticks can carry Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and allergens from cockroaches can trigger asthma attacks, leading to respiratory distress. Don't wait until you or someone you love is suffering with unexplained symptoms. Get the facts you need to protect your family. Visit pestworld.org.
That's going to do it for this week's show. I'm your host, Ed Robinson. And remember, put God first in everything you do and you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. I'm out. Peace. Peace.